Hello listeners, Dan here from A Bit Spursy. If you would like to watch this episode, please head to youtube.com forward slash at A Bit Spursy. We'll also have all the links up on our website as well at abitspursy.com. Tottenham topple the champions on day one. Hello Spurs fans, I'm Dan and welcome to A Bit Spursy for another week. Uh, you'll see I'm here by myself because uh, Barney is under the weather. So hopefully he can rest up this weekend and be ready for the Chelsea game next week. Uh, big game, big game coming up. Uh, for me personally, I think this is the game that I want to win more than anything this season. I think just how Potch has behaved overall. Uh, not, not that you would expect him to behave differently, but he said a few little comments about, you know, Chelsea being the best team in England for the last 15 years and, uh, and a few other things like that, which are not really necessary. And, uh, we're always going to rile up some of us Spurs fans. So I really hope that we give him, um, a bit of a chilly reception when he comes and, and very much looking forward to that game. I think we will win, but we'll get to that a little bit more later. Uh, there's been quite a few things happening over the last week, which there always seems to be now, which I guess is like we've got so much social media everywhere that we're always seeing bits and pieces. But uh, the legacy numbers from the club, they came out last week, uh, which I think is a nice touch. Uh, I'm not too sure if when if you buy individual kits now, like just from the club shop, that you actually get the legacy number on the back as well. That would be nice. But maybe I'm, I'm sure the, the marketing team will introduce some sort of legacy kit, uh, an extra 20 five pounds or something to, to get those little numbers on there. But it is nice to give that, um, little like place in history for players. I am quite surprised that we're only into like the high eight hundreds. Um, I just would have assumed that we've had, you know, like the thousands, well, not thousands, like not like 10,000 Spurs players come through, but at least like a, th- a couple of thousand maybe. But I see Madison's eight, seven, three, one of our more recent signings. Um, but it's nice. It's nice. I wonder what Davies is. Uh, he's probably one who's going to go back in the club like the furthest out of the current squad. But uh, yeah, everyone else would um, surely is going to be in the eights. Uh, but it's a nice, it's a nice little touch. Nice little touch. Uh, the last game that we had, which we haven't covered yet um, on on the pod, is the Crystal Palace game from last week, which now it seems like that happened a lifetime ago. Again, we've got so long between these games. I don't know what to do with myself. Uh, but a, a nice win. I was quite happy with the result. Uh, I think similar to the Fulham game, it was maybe, you don't want to say the cliche phrase of a tale of two halves, but there were definitely uh, moments in the game where we we probably weren't capitalizing or we didn't look incredibly smooth with everything that we were doing, similar to the Fulham game. But overall, I'm just really, really happy that we're still getting getting the wins in these in these scenarios. And I'm actually a lot, uh, I guess, more content with us not playing games at like, uh, how would I phrase this? I want, I'm want. i feeling very positive about it, but it's like, I'm happy for us to like go out and not dominate games completely, given the stage that we are in like Ange's revolution of, of Spurs. So if we were, you know, a year or two in, I think that's where we would want to be really cohesively playing throughout full 90 minutes, the whole whole game, every game. Um, pushing for the title, which we kind of already are, but um, that's where I'd be looking for us to be at. Here, I'm so happy that we're, you know, 10 games, 11 games in, in all competitions uh, into Andrew's tenure, 
And we're seeing like prolonged periods in matches where we are playing delicious handball, and balls, sorry. Uh, and we are controlling games for, for a good part of them. So I'm still not that fussed that we sometimes are bringing on players off the bench. And again, it's not clicking quite as much as you might expect um, for a team that's been together for a season or two. Uh, having said that though, uh, Johnson, I thought he, he, he was, that was a nice little cameo that he didn't really do too much else, but in his involvement in the goal was really, really great. Um, that goal was just so, so, so tasty and really, um, yeah, it was really playing into like us trying to bait out palace. And there was that really funny moment where we had like Romero and Vicario just playing the ball back and forth to each other. Uh, and then the palace fans were starting to boo that quite a lot. Um, but we were just sitting back and we're like, look, Hey, if you're not going to press us, we'll just pass it around We're we're up. We don't need to, we don't need to attack. We don't need to go forward. We're not playing negatively here. We're just, we're just hanging back with possession. So we'll wait for you to come out at us. And then this goal was an example of that. Like, uh, when palace were pressing us, like we were able to, to sort of cut through and create some chances. And again, I think the longer that we play how Edge wants us to, the more chances we're going to start creating in games and more chances we're going to start converting. Uh, but this goal was was delightful. And I think um, something that's gone a little bit unsung is Poro when he when he gets in the middle and he kind of turns two players, hits it back out to Saar. Saar go, you know, wide cross uh, crossing ball um, out to Johnson, uh, heads it in, Madison, back to Johnson, uh, into Sonny. I remember watching this game uh, and I was watching it delayed. So I, I, unfortunately I knew the result, uh, which is good when we win, I guess. Um, but I knew the result. I didn't know the score. So I wasn't sure who, how many goals we'd scored or who had scored the goals. So there was still that element of like surprise watching this, but seeing this play like unfold, it was just awesome. Uh, and it's really, really cool to see like, you know, Sonny is just becoming this like poacher <laughs> in the box in a sense which you, you wouldn't really expect from Son. We're used to seeing his, like, you know, long range, you know, curling shots through. And, yeah, just seeing him, like, he's so good at that because his finishing is so elite with both feet as well. He is the perfect sort of striker to be in the box and uh, receiving those cutbacks, which are on really sometimes challenging angles to, to, to get it sort of coming in and, like, putting it back across goal, putting it wherever you are. Uh, it's not easy to do. But he is really, really excelling in that position. And yeah, it's just a just a lovely team goal, I thought. It was also so good to see Benton Kerr come back into the fold. Uh, a player that, even though we've been doing really well, I still think a player that we have kind of missed because he, I think, can take the load off, say, Basuma a little bit uh, in terms of, you know, being able to uh, sort of turn on the ball, turn out of dangerous areas. Like there are a few times late last season where Benton Kerr would maybe a, a little bit sketchily uh, try to turn one or two players on the edge of the box and then pass it out. But he's definitely got that like extra silky element um, to bring into our midfield, which is which is really, really nice. And I think all Spurs fans now are kind of salivating at the thought of having, you know, Basuma, Benton Kerr, Madison uh, as, a, as a midfield three, possibly within the next few months. That's not to take anything away from Saar because I think Saar has been outstanding so far and I thought he was good in this game as well. But it's nice to maybe not have all this pressure on Saar to to be, you know, starring week in, week out 
given that he's still so young and still developing quite a lot. I still think regardless if Bentancur is fully fit, Saar's going to see a lot of game time. He's going to get subbed on every single game. There might also be games when we're choosing to play Saar instead of Bentancur. Also, you take injuries that we're bound to have one of these four go down with something again soon in the season. But it's just, yeah. I think that if Bentancur regains his fitness and he can get to the similar level to what he was before he had the injury, I wouldn't be surprised to see him come back in and take that starting spot. It was so lovely, though, seeing the post-game celebrations where we had, you know, it's become a little bit of a thing. Like, we win a game and we were going over to the or to the away fans, because we had a lot of away games. Uh, we're going over to the away fans and and thanking them. And, and I it must be something that Ange has really sort of, like, pushed <laughs> on everyone here. Unless it's maybe, like, a Son initiative as well. But they, it's so nice to see us going there and then really also heroing a player in those scenarios. Like... When Richarlison, um scored and I remember Son came and like sort of pushed him to the front of the queue in front of everyone. And then in this instance, it was the same sort of thing, pushing out Benton Kerr. And you just saw like how much this moment meant to him. It meant to the team. Like he's had such a long road to recovery and the type of injury he had as well. Like some players don't really recover from that. And it can be either career ending or it can be the sort of injury that definitely shortens your career or, or, or reduces your ability um, significantly. But it, it was really, really nice to see to see him back. And I know it was just a short cameo, but I feel like, yeah, his silkiness in the middle of the park um, is is going to be great. And he's coming into a really nice environment now. Not a, not a toxic one that we've had in the past few years, uh, but it's something that where everyone's really pulling together. And you just see that in that camaraderie. There's this picture of Benton Kerr and Son hugging in that moment. And it looks like Sonny is hugging him as if he is a two-year-old toddler hugging his favorite like plush toy in the world. And I feel like Son is kind of transferring that energy to all players <laughs> in the squad. And it's really refreshing to see like, I guess Son's continued leadership, but he's not afraid to be like emotional. He's not afraid to be happy. Uh, it's not this kind of old school, like Roy Keane, like you've got to be the hardest man on the pitch. Uh, type of thing and like leading with fear uh, or or anything like that, which is, I'd say probably like maybe the John Terry type of thing as well. Uh, but it's really, really good. I, I, I just like seeing that, you know, Son out of, <laughs> Son out of all the captains in the league, it's, he's, he's not probably the type that you would pick, even though he has led his country for years and, you know, he's been a big member of the Spurs squad for a long time now. Um, he's just, you know, still so humble and, still just like so happy and just seeing that emotion. Uh, he genuinely seems thrilled <laughs> when we score. He genuinely seems thrilled when we win. And it's not this look that you'll see, you know, certain other uh, captains have where it's like still a stern, like celebration of, ah, um, like, you know, like a Viking sort of charging. It's, um, it's just genuinely, it looks like a, a, a child playing with his friends and he's just ecstatic and having the best time of his life. So that was something else I thought was like really cool to see that, uh, yeah, it's like we're welcoming Benton Kerr back in and, and, and everyone seems so genuinely delighted that he's, that he's part of the team again. Uh, one thing that happened in the game, uh, or I should say a number of incidents, uh, or lack of would be that the yellow cards in this, I thought were just r ridiculous. Uh, we had quite a few tackles on, um, I think in the first half, like Vanderven had a couple of, uh, tackles on his ankles, 
which gets me so nervous because someone like Van der Ven, I think is so crucial to how we're playing at the moment. And his recovery speed has been like, uh, uh, it's a God's hand really. And I've never, ever seen another defender like this, like his gigantic frame. He should not be able to move that quickly. And it's just so bizarre watching like him, uh, sort of start going 50, 50 with forwards. And then they just stop running the, the opposition because they're just, they know they're going to get outpaced. Um, and I think that happened when Will Hughes was going through for, for Palace. Uh, and then Van der Ven just comes through and cleans up. And then a, a few minutes later, Will Hughes gets him on the ankles. And I don't know if that was necessarily a full retaliation, but that does get me a little bit concerned because I think if we're trying to replace players in the squad due to injury, Van der Ven is the one that I don't think we have anyone who's remotely capable of doing what he does. So seeing him go down a few times and seeing um, Andrew Madley, the referee, just not even think about punishing it at all. Um, it's like he left his cards at home and he's just come into the game and it's just like, oh yeah, no, don't worry. No, don't look. I'll give cards out when I need. Don't worry. No, I've got my cards. Of course I've got my cards. Like don't, what, you think I'd leave my cards at home? A Premier League, a referee, I forget my cards for the game. Pff, come on, mate. They're in my pocket. I'm not going to show you. I'm, why would I show you? Uh, but it just felt like so ridiculous that we weren't seeing any yellow cards for any of these challenges. There was also one in Madison too. The first yellow card, I'm fairly sure, came in the 99th minute, uh, which is when Anderson fouled uh, Brian Hill. Uh, and that was finally a yellow, and it was a pretty dangerous tackle as well. Um, but yeah, it was just, I, I just couldn't believe that we were seeing so such liberal refereeing. and. I think that that's maybe the frustration around refereeing the season is it has been so inconsistent. Um, I think it was when we played Sheffield at home and then we got like five or four or five yellow cards, maybe pretty early in the game. Um, I think it was Sheffield at home. Uh, one of the, one of those games, uh, but we get, we got quite a few yellow cards and that kind of hampered us a bit here. Whereas it felt like here, like palace had like carte blanche to do whatever they want to do. And it's, it's almost like they played some secret power up where it's like, all right, we've, uh, we've enabled uh, turbo foul time and we can do whatever the hell we want, but we're not going to get punished by the referee at all. And yeah, like to have a, a, a Premier League game, which why I say Premier League is like, you know, quite a physical league and you have a lot of players who do play quite physically, um, go to the 99th minute before we see our first yellow. It's, I don't know if, if we have that continue, um, we will, I'm sure see some injuries because players are just going to keep pushing the line. And if they're not getting carded, they're not getting even like stern warnings or like, I don't know if that's really that off-putting, but like, you know, uh, uh, an adult getting a stern warning from uh, a disciplinarian, like a referee. But, uh, I think if we're going to let that sort of slide, we are going to see some injuries here because any of these challenges that, that were that were permissible apparently in this game, they could have resulted in some injuries because they were pretty, pretty shaky. And whenever you get studs around the ankles and everything like that, um, yeah, it's not good and it can lead to problems. Uh, I think also after that, maybe Johnson got a descent for yellow and then IU got a descent for yellow. So it was just bizarre that maybe uh, we get to injury time. Um, and then it's like, oh, hang on. Oh, oh, oh I haven't given out any yellows yet. Yeah, better go quick fire now. <laughs> to give out as many as I can. But again, refereeing this season has been all over the place. So I'm not really surprised, but 
it's it's just a bit it's a bit annoying. Um, I guess as well that we're going to be a team that wants to have the ball a lot this season, and we are going to get teams that press us, and these teams are going to press us quite aggressively as well uh, at times. So we need some protection <laughs> against that and against being able to play out of tight spaces with some of these fouls. Having said that, uh, Basuma did make a tackle uh, where he kind of scissored someone. I can't remember which Palace player it was. And that didn't get given either. So we, I guess we did see the benefit of it from that side. Um, the one thing that uh, that came up from this, which I, I noticed in the past, but it wasn't necessarily like a, a huge thing, was that there must just obviously be some like uh, treaty that all the clubs uh, agree to, where if a player goes down injured, anyone, even from the opposition team, can come up to the physio's bag and just help themselves to the drinks. And there's this photo where... I'm not sure of the Palace player. Um, I'm not sure of their name, but they're down, they're out on the ground. The physio is working on them. Saunders comes over, just kind of taps his leg and it's like, oh, mate, you okay? Yeah, okay, cool, cool. And then just grabs uh, grabs a water, starts drinking it, and then starts offering it around to everyone else. Um, it's like maybe, I don't know, it's like seeing in the middle of like a battlefield, you've got like the medical team just like in, in war times, I guess. So like uh, there's like a, yeah, there's an agreement of like, no, that's fine. It's like we, we, we allow ourselves to be hydrated. That's the most important thing we want. Uh, yeah, do not run out of water. That's, that's, that's crucial. Uh, it's just, I still just find it so bizarre. You get like the heated cauldron of a game and then you get players just like, yeah going over and helping themselves to water. Um, it, it sounds weird when I talk about it, like it's, it's like, Oh, it's, it's weird to see players drinking. And I don't mean that. Um, but I just feel like I, I just, I don't know. I think that there's so many moments where players, uh, are playing sort of, you know, for their own team and holding off in games, like late in a game, if a team wants to take a throw in and the balls come back on the field, players will just pretend it doesn't exist. So there's no like element of, um, you know, sportsmanship, so to speak, in those instances. But then when we have this, it's just like, no, no, mate, stay hydrated. No, no, but no, come on, come on, mate. Hey, I know we're just enemies right now. We've got another 20 minutes to play and it's really, really, but I just want you to make sure you're getting the correct water intake to get you through to the end of the game and avoid injuries. I don't want to see you cramp. You know, I'm not a, I'm not a savage. And it, it's, it's, I guess it's nice. It's a nice thing to see. Uh, I, I guess back on the refereeing, um, and we're just kind of like quick firing through a bunch of things from this game here, but Jordan, I use handball goal. I was convinced this is going to be ruled off for a handball. And I'm really surprised that like we saw in VAR, like so many different angles and it, it took quite a while for them to, to clear it. But I thought every angle that they showed, it was like, yeah, that's more of a handball. Okay. That is more of a handball. And it kind of like seems to like hit him sort of near the shoulder ish maybe, but then there's definitely contact from the hand and the ball rotates off that. So to be fair, it was like, it was a pretty clean finish from like, are you once he brought it down? But I thought this was going to be given offside. Um, to look at it from another angle, I guess it sort of shows that, uh, you know, as well as Poro has been playing, this is still a possible weakness that, uh, balls over the top sort of um, slotted in behind him or just over him. They, uh, he, he still struggles a little bit with those. I, I'd, I'd say that I finish was probably a relatively low percentage one, but yeah, we don't want to give away that many chances of that sort of quality um, late in games, but yeah, clearly handball, right? I, like I'm, I'm, I'm not crazy here, but obviously ref and uh, VAR 
don't uh, don't agree. VAR though this whole season have they uh, have they done anything that we've been really really that happy with? Uh, it'll be interesting to see, I guess, what happens with VAR if there are bigger changes that come through in the future. If we just can like accept that this is going to be something that is going to take another five, six, seven, ten years to refine, or is this something that you know we're going to have like more like intense changes coming in? to try and provide a little bit more consistency around it and also just maybe automate more of the process so that, and I don't mean necessarily it's like we put all this into AI and then AI instantly decides if it's handball or not. But I think that automating a little bit more of it so it's like we can't have these stoppages go for like multiple minutes to try and get the right decision when then they don't seem to get a clear right decision anyway. I'd much prefer us just to kind of move on and, you know, allow the games to flow a little bit more, even if that means that some decisions are going against us. Um, but yeah, overall, I thought it was really, really good game, like an entertaining game. And it's like, even when we are having games where we're not playing that well in patches, it's still so entertaining. And like watching all these games now, it is just, again, it's, it's such a breath of fresh air and it kind of is like a reminder of like what football should be. We should be able to enjoy games that we watch, uh, even ones that we don't win. And I'm sure there'll be some that come up that, <laughs> that where that's the case, but just to be able to enjoy games week in, week out is, uh, I don't know. It feels so foreign and it really shouldn't like, and I think that's showing that we're moving at least in a more positive direction now where we can enjoy what we're doing and we can all have like way more of a connection back to Ange, back to the players, back to the club again, where it's, it's, there are still sort of things to sort out, of course. And there are still some things that the club does that we're, we're not going to be happy with, but at least we are sort of, you know, it can be rest assured that the football side is coming along and it's, it's going to be a little bit more enjoyable on that side. So, um, looking forward, uh, we've sort of touched on Chelsea and how I really want us to beat them. We've got a question that has come in, um, from our discord. So, uh, if you're not on the discord, feel free to jump on the link will be in the description below. And we just basically chat on there each week, daily chatting. Uh, we also do match day chats. Uh, where, you know, if you're watching the game remote and it's a little bit lonely, feel free to jump on there and, um, chat with some other like-minded, uh, people. And yeah, we're chatting about a whole bunch of different, you know, football related topics. And, uh, we also have questions submitted through there as well. So Ramfay has asked, I've heard a few people discuss what sort of reception we should give Potch when he returns, whether we should boo or give a round of applause. What do you guys think? Personally, I wouldn't do either. I'm too lazy to boo. <laughs> but I would rather cut off my hands than ever applaud a Chelsea manager. I think I'd settle for staring at him judgmentally, but I'm curious to know what you guys would do. So uh, for anyone out there, please let us know what you think, uh, either via the comments on the video or by, um, you know, tweeting at us or however you want to reach us. But personally, I would be up for booing Poch. I think if we're playing into the drama and emotions of football, like, Sometimes booing is good and it's fun when it's against rival teams, players, managers, and things like that. I really don't like booing our own team or booing our own players. Like I thought the booing that happened against Sanchez last season was like horrendous. Um, and I think 
when um, Emerson has been booed as well. Like that has been really, really bad. But I think we should definitely boo Poch. Like he's de- fully crossed the line now and he's all in on Chelsea. Uh, on his Instagram, he's deleted every single thing about Spurs apart from one of his like thank you posts, which is just a photo of like a flag of him in our stadium. And you, it's not even really that Spurs related. So he's tried to go like, yep, I'm cutting off everything about Spurs before. That was another me, past life. I don't care. I'm all in on Chelsea now. And if he's saying comments like, like I mentioned earlier of, you know, Chelsea are the best team that in England for, for, you know, two decades, this, that, everything else. And other little sort of like jabs, even if they're not intentionally jabs, they're still jabs. I think we should boo him. Like he's crossed the line, like, and I don't mean crossed the line, done something like massively offensive, but he's crossed the divide and he's all in on Chelsea. So we should be all in on Spurs and like we, we can boo a a rival manager. Uh, You know, it's like when, when say Tuchel was there, it's not like we go like, oh, should we applaud Tuchel? Should we do, even though there was no previous connection to the club, we still looked in that instance and went at the moment, rival manager at like the evil, the most evil team in the league. So why, like the team that first is like, you know, through the whole, like, you know, introducing sports washing, you could say into the league, but then also just constantly following it up and like, oh, there's financial fair play. How can we find excessive loopholes to try and get around that and effectively still cheat? And it's like not cheating legally, but it's kind of cheating in removing a lot of competition from, from the game. Um, I'm wary whenever we get into these sorts of things, it's like, well, you can also look at like how Spurs operate and then say that there are the lesser clubs who would look at us and say, and feel the same sort of thing. And I get that. But point being is I feel like if you have a current Chelsea manager, uh, and you know, if they are all in on their club, we should be all in on ours and we should boo Poch. I'm, I'm very happy for us to boo Poch. Remember the end of Poch's reign was quite toxic. So I still have like sort of fond memories for Poch overall, but I can look back and go like, it didn't end well. And I didn't think he handled the, the end of that. Well, like I was never one of the people who was up for getting Poch back in. And I thought maybe one day down the track, possibly, but I was not pining for like, let's get Poch. Who's this Ange guy? This is ridiculous. We need to get Poch in. We need to bring Poch back. Oh, come on. Po- the warm embrace of Pochettino coming back through. Because, I mean, he left. He And, you know, at PSG, hadn't really done much at all. Um, and I just feel like he's not the sort of manager that we sh- we we should have, you know, done everything we could to, um, to make sure that they return to the club. Uh, I, I, th- I think in some ways he's still relatively unproven. Like he's done really well with, you know, a team like Southampton or um, a team like Spurs and like building up uh, a team that's not necessarily at the top level in terms of their like spending and everything like that. But I don't think he's, he, he's really shown much um, at the top, top end. So yeah, long story short, let's boo, let's boo Poch. Uh, I'll be booing from my lounge room, which Will it also feel a little bit weird sitting there by myself uh, at 6 a.m., 7 when 7 a.m., whenever the game is, uh, just booing in silence at the TV. But yeah, let's let's um, let's give him that kind of reception because I also want that to kind of carry through into the game. Like I want this to be like a heated game. I want this to be like a cauldron. I want this to be a scenario where like 
you know, we're sort of so united as a fan base and a club that Chelsea come and we're not just like, oh, well, we're doing better than you. So we'll just sit here quietly and do this. I still want us to like, you know, um, exhibit some of that passion towards them. And I think that, you know, making it clear of like Pochettino's not welcome is also then going to carry on to the rest of the team. Remember as well, Chelsea are like, they hate Spurs. Their fans hate Spurs. A lot of their fans hate Spurs, not all of them. But, you know, they chant about us like before games saying they hate Tottenham. They have had a lot of racist chants about Tottenham. And I'm not saying then we just, we hit them back with, with something that we can, but I think that we can give them kind of like spicy receptions when they come and play us at home. Like, why would we do anything else? So it would be very confusing, I think, if, you know, we're going into this game, it's about to start Chelsea here, like everything's there. And then it's like, you know, Pochettino comes out and we're just sort of like, oh, there's Poch, we remember, oh, beautiful. Nice to see you again. Hello, nice to see you again, Mr. Pochettino. Uh... And then we're trying to flip it on to like, no, but Chelsea, no, no, I hate you, Thiago Silva. Like it's, I think we just, you, you know, let's let's just keep keep that energy in there. Um, such a big game. We've got like such a rivalry with Chelsea. I want us to like turn up the heat a little bit because I think that how our players have gelled and, and bonded, I think they will respond really well in that moment. I don't think we need to sort of like lessen the temperature because Chelsea will want to come here and prove a point. Like this is the opportunity for Chelsea to possibly like flip their season around. And they've been doing so poorly that they would see like, all right, we get a win away at Spurs. That is a really good opportunity to get things back on track and start pushing up the table. And it would be a little bit more crushing for us. So I think we've got more to lose than Chelsea do. But having said that, I want us to make them not feel welcome <laughs> when they come and play against us. Um, so this kind of takes us through looking a little bit further afield. Uh, I was just thinking, look, if we are still in the mix in January, uh, what do we do? Like, let's say if we're top or we're top two or three, uh, a couple of points off top where we're in that sort of bracket there. Um, what do we do? Like, cause there are a few options here. It's like, we either can go big and spend on whoever is available to get in some reinforcements to really go for a title push this year, or we can only buy long-term targets if they're available for the right price. Like, like I was saying before, Van de Ven is the one, probably the one position in the squad that like really kind of scares me of like, if we go a couple of games without Van de Ven, what does that look like? Who could slot in there? I don't even know what we would do. Um, I don't think Phillips doesn't seem to be ready. Like he hasn't even had, I don't think any minutes for us so far. Um, putting Davies back there is definitely like, I, mean, I was going to say definitely not an option, but it's like, it's probably an option, but he's doesn't have the pace to, to play in that spot. So that would be maybe like the biggest area of concern in the short term, I think. Uh, but then, yeah, it's challenging because it's like, well, do you then want to go and pay over the odds for a player who might only be worth 20, 25 mil? And then the selling club turns around and they, the, you know, they're going sitting there going like, oh, you're stopping them. Well, uh, you're going for the league, right? Oh, okay. Um, well, our centre-back here is worth, uh, to us, about 60 million to let him go right now. So what do you want to do? Going to cough up the cash? Or, oh, you know what, the league? Okay, fine. Um, and they can kind of, like, hold us to, to that a little bit, um, unless the player's running down their contract or something like that. So the January market's always really challenging, but I'm quite torn in this. So, uh, yeah, listeners, please let us let us know your thoughts on this as well. Like, what would you do? Would you go big and spend on whoever is available in January. And this is saying that like, 
we're we're not like ten points clear at the top. We're not down in fourth or fifth and and dropping away. But we're at we're either top or we're still just you know in that title challenging conversation at that stage. What would you do? Um, yeah, I don't know. I like the the my my brain tends to lean towards going. We should only buy long term targets if they're available for the right price in January. That makes sense. Uh, you know, balance the books out. Let's not get too wild. Let's view this as like a two, three year project. But then if it seems like it's a genuine chance for us to win the league, we might just need to get in whoever, whoever we can, um, in a couple of key positions to provide some backup and, and ensure that we actually can stay in that conversation. Um, but yeah, that, that'll be a tough one. That is getting a little far ahead. Like we do have, I've got the fixtures up here. We do have one, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine games until the window opens. And then Bournemouth on New Year's Day would be the 10th. So there's, it's quite a few games to go to still keep this up. But I have like every, you know, every faith that we can. And especially if we get through this 10 game period uh, and, and we're still, we're still doing pretty well. That's not bad. Like that, that really then puts us in firmly in like the title contending conversation. Uh, I think as well, like the Man City game away, I'm not that fussed about. Like I'm never that fussed really about top six games unless we've got like a huge rivalry with that team. Um, and what I'm, what I mean by that is when, when I'm watching the game, I'll definitely be fussed about it and I'll definitely be passionate about what's happening there. But they're not like we can't lose these games ever because the top teams statistically are always taking points off each other. And I went back and looked through the last like, you know, 10 years of the Premier League. And it's like the teams that are winning are the ones that absolutely clean up in say the bottom eight teams of the league. They beat them home and away. Then the middle group as well, um, you're winning the vast majority of those. And then the top teams, they, they get a lot, le a lot fewer points against each other than what you'd think. Um, like kind of like less than half because you get some draws and things in there as well. So we don't need to beat all of like our rivals in that sense, but we just need to ensure that we keep cleaning up against the teams that are at, at least in the bottom half of the table, uh, which of course Chelsea are right now. So hmm, there's that. Uh, a few other like adjacent Spurs things that came up this week. Uh, I saw on, um, I think it was Instagram, like Emerson Royale, there was a clip that, he put up of basically all the Spurs players just saying like how good a bloke he is, uh, which I, I found quite endearing there. Um, but it was just like Son, Basuma, uh, Bentico, Romero, Porro, just basically saying like, yeah, Emerson's a good guy. He's really happy. Oh yeah, he's a strong defender too. And, and this, that, and everything else. And then I think I saw the original post and I feel like there's maybe a documentary being made about him, which makes a little bit more sense than just putting up a hype reel of your friend's saying nice things about you. Uh, I, I like that idea. Like that would be nice if you would just get something from your, <laughs> something from a group of friends going, okay, we just put this clip together to say you're a, say you're a nice guy. Isn't that cool? Um, but yeah, it was just interesting seeing like, you know, the king of comps, Emerson, uh, just putting up a friend comp <laughs> for once of like, yeah, here are my buds at the clubs. I'm going to do a comp of them. Um, I didn't play that much in this game. I know I played half the game and, but I didn't really do too much within the game. So let's just put up a comp of all my mates saying how nice I am. Why not? Um, the other thing that Everson put up was, um, a clip of, um, him basically critiquing Basuma's outfits, uh, which I thought was quite funny. And he just kept saying drip too hard or drip too bad as being, 
the uh, the barometer of 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 fashion. So good fashion, drip too hard, uh, drip too bad, bad fashion. Uh, we might we might play a little game of that next week and develop that because quite a few of our players are like having these fashionable shoots. Like Basuma's got this this uh, amazing shot where he's got like a leather jacket on, he's got like top off and everything, he's got sunglasses. Vicario's got something where um, he looks to be. I, my my brain just goes Burberry, but I I got no idea. Um, he's just like in a hotel room again with glasses on. I think inside it's just standard. If you want to be cool, you've got to have your glasses on inside. Uh, and he's just got like a, a matching sort of suit. Um, it's like little checkered thing, but like huge drawstring, like massive drawstring on it. Uh, but just looks very very fashionable. So we might bring that back. Some drip too hard, drip too bad. Uh, speaking of Vicario though, there was a quote that came out. Um, I think about playing for Tottenham or, or signing for Tottenham. And I think he said, you know, this is what I wanted and I didn't want to listen to anything else. As soon as I knew there was an opportunity to come here, I would have signed in blood. I would have walked from Italy. Uh, Vicario is someone who uh, I know we're all conscious of like the great job he's doing, but he might not be quite getting as much praise as some of the others, but he's been absolutely outstanding, I think, in this first part of the season. And you also just see his leadership too like he's so vocal with the players during the game and he speaks really well afterwards like it looks like he's incredibly driven um he's 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 good with his feet like i love now that when we play it back to our keeper we're relaxed it's all good um but when he makes a big save he gets really like you know razzed up like when the defense clears something he's 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 up there too so him I think that's, that's been a crucial like piece into our defense and really reinforcing that. And the triangle between him, Romero, um, <laughs> him, Romero and Vicario again, uh, him, Romero and Van Der Ven has been sensational. And to see someone who seems so committed to the club already. And, and, and so just like, yeah, I love these sort of quotes. Like they buy cheap points with fans, but we love hearing these sort of things like, oh, they would have signed in blood. Oh, amazing. Like they would have walked from Italy. Incredible. Like that's almost impossible. Uh, technically it is impossible unless you walk under the channel, but it's like those sort of things really get us on side with players too. <clears throat> and it's maybe it's just really smart and he knows the importance of that. Um, I guess when it comes to like players coming in, I, I, I believe the Guardian did uh, put out an article saying that uh, there was one player that we passed on because they were apparently, this is apparently, this is all hearsay, I guess, but uh, apparently Postacoglu uh, did his interview with them and he thought they just wanted to get away from their old club rather than necessarily wanting to come to Spurs and buy in with his system. Uh, I don't know who that could be, but there's really only a couple of options there. You think it could be Tapsoba, but probably not. It seems like stylistically we would have just opted for Van der Ven anyway. But David Raya is probably the one that comes to mind. Um, regardless of that, like, I love this idea that, um, Postacoglu, like, you know, he'll interview all the players coming in before they come in and will give his assessment, um, of, yeah, there's someone who will walk all the way from Italy or they will sign in blood to play for the club and to play for me. And that is a really re refreshing thing that we're doing when maybe in the past we've, We've kind of just gone for names that we could get, such as like maybe, I don't know, Ndombele, without doing um, all of our due diligence around like the the sort of the mentality and what their reasons for coming to Spurs are. So it's really reassuring that we've got someone like Postacoglu taking such a, such a strong role in those sort of scenarios. Uh, I think that 
that covers a lot of it. We'll finish with a couple of other questions that we've had from uh, users on the Discord. We've got Ted Cruz in USA uh, saying, are you as tired as I am of all the tweets from people being like, we obviously aren't going to win the league. Only rival fans claim we think that. It just stinks of, I don't want to be made fun of by pre-teen Chelsea and Arsenal fans. Obviously, we could win the league. Leicester won it in 2016, so why the hell not? Better to have loved and lost than not loved at all. There's a lot of that sentiment I agree with. Like, I am on board the we can win the league train, and I don't think we need to enter self-preservation all the time and and sort of protect ourselves by thinking, like, oh, no, we can't. No, it'd be silly to get too caught up with that. Like, um, oh, well, what if, yeah, what if we don't win? What if I get excited and then we don't win? It's like... Regardless, if we win or we don't, you can still have this period being excited. But if you hold back, it's like you're not even allowing yourself to have that period of excitement anyway. And then when we win, yeah, it's great. But there's been the opportunity to have the whole season to be excited as well. So I look at it and think like, yeah, 100%. Like we should, you know, (laughs) we should get into this. We should think that we can win the league. If we think we can win the league... Like, we want that to transfer to the club. We want that to transfer to the players. We want that to transfer to Ange. We don't want the players thinking, oh, we're top now, but realistically, we can't win. Like, we want them waking up every single day and thinking, we can win this league. We're top now after a quarter of it. Why can't this continue? We want Ange coming in and thinking like, yeah, I I can do this. And comparing to Conte, who would laugh at us when journalists would mention anything about us having some success. I want Ange. I want the players. I want the club. I want everyone to be thinking like, yeah, we can win this league. Why the hell not? And we shouldn't hold back. We shouldn't hold back. Like what, what's the worst that can happen? It's that we get excited. We run our mouths a little bit and then, you know, faceless avatars on the internet, just pull up a tweet. We, we made, or like a video we said from like, you know, five months ago, it would be that side or whatever. Um, and saying like, Oh, look how wrong you were. You thought you could win. What an idiot. It's like, who cares? Who who cares at all? Like, if that's the, the worst thing that could happen, then like, I'm, I'm all in. I'm all in. So I think, yes, we, we should not worry about other fans and not worry about what other fans think. And if we are, um, if we are preserving anything, it would probably be coming from that, um, fear of like, I don't want other fans to have a go at us. Like, we don't want to give them anything that they could, that could come back to haunt us. But it's like, nah, stuff that. Like, let's enjoy this ride. Let's push it as much as we can right now. And like, let's really fully get on board um, with this idea. Because again, why the hell not? Uh, as Ted Cruz in the USA said, Leicester won it. They didn't have a massively deep squad. Uh, you know, they might have got a little bit lucky with like other squads that year and how they were playing. And this could be a similar situation for us. So if this is a transition year for certain other teams or a transition couple of years, then, you know, why couldn't we do it? I don't, I don't see why we couldn't. We can. We can. Uh, there have been another couple of comments, which I think were based off the should we boo Poch uh, question as well. Uh, we said THFC text uh, added. Um, I feel a minute's silence would dig deeper than any boo could, <laughs> um, which would actually be hilarious if we begin the game with a minute silence, uh, and have Pochettino up on the big screen with, um, as a bit of a memorial to him. Like that would be incredible. Um, I know we've had a little bit of banter from the club's media department in the sense of like, 
the the stadium DJs like playing songs that are coming up in the you know in the media and by press plays and things like that. But I feel like this would be a whole level of shithousery that I would not expect us to go to, but I would absolutely adore um, if we did. Like imagine that like the teams are coming out, they sort of like line up. They're Chelsea are getting ready to to start. Our players just go around the semicircle like we normally do for tributes. And then just up on the big screen, they just have Mauricio Pochettino. And maybe then we can have like a minute silence or do like a, a little sort of clap there. Um, but that would be incredible. Viva Coys added uh, a stadium-sized TIFO of a snake getting eaten by a cockerel would also be good. I would love that as well. I would love if we get some more of these like TIFOs going. And I know that... Um, what's the account on Twitter? It's like Tottenham flags or THFC flags. Like I think they do a great job in you know, organizing the different messages and things like that. But it would be great to see maybe the club starting to invest a lot more in those sorts of things and, you know, really help us make the stadium a fortress. Even though, uh, and he had another fun quote this week, uh, which he said, most clubs want to turn their grounds into a fortress. Ours is becoming a nightclub, mate. I'm all for it. Whatever makes people happy, that's my thing. Um which is incredible. I think that's around like the post-match celebrations and the music going off and, uh, and those bits and pieces, but that's, that's really, really, uh, really, really fun to see. But yeah, let's get a, a full, let's get a cockerel just eating the embodiment of whatever club or manager that is coming to us. We could take it one step further and just put a cockerel in the middle of the field and just feed them whatever. Uh, I don't, I don't know. Maybe that's going to be morbid, but like, yeah, let's do what we can and make our environment like, not a pleasant one to come to our stadium is so good. And like so many other players, coaches, fans, everyone talk about how great the stadium is. Like, I don't, I, like we were talking about earlier with Chelsea, like I don't want opposition players and, 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 and fans and everything like to come to the game and feel welcome there and just be like, wow, what a beautiful stadium. This is so great. What a lovely day out. It's like, how can we still without crossing any lines? Um, how can we, you know, amplify that atmosphere and really make it like a, a place that other teams don't want to come and visit because, you know, it's not that they get to play with a fancy tech in the dressing rooms. It's like they are in for a really, really rough reception. Um, and we, then we just play them off the park. That would be beautiful. So I think that probably takes us to the end of today's episode. Uh, well, next week we will be back, uh, hopefully with Barney if he's recovered. Uh, and yeah, after the Chelsea game, um, Wow. I'm looking forward to the episode either way, but I'm I'm pretty confident going into this game against Chelsea. I think we're a good shot, and hopefully we'll be back next week uh, to gloat about beating them and continuing our stampede towards the Premier League title. Maybe a bit early for that. Or is it? How about you, Spurs? You've been listening to A Bit Spursy. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Email us at hello at abitspursy.com and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms.